In Acts chapter 9, we read the story of a man called Saul, Saul of Tarsus. Saul, a zealous, radical young Jewish man who had been commissioned by the Jewish religious leaders to find Christians, Jewish converts to Christianity, to round them up, to take them back to Jerusalem for trial and basically even use lethal force if necessary. And that's what Saul did. And it would seem he was really rather good at it. He earned a reputation to be feared amongst these Jewish converts to Jesus. A highly trained, highly motivated, highly effective and resourced agent of the Jewish nation, acting on behalf of the nation, attempting to crush, wipe out this new branch of Judaism called Christianity. Well, why was Saul doing that? Why had he been commissioned to do that? Well, basically for thousands of years for the Jewish people, they had been promised by God a new leader, a new king, a deliverer, one who would free them from oppression and would reign forever. That's what the prophets of old had foretold. And so the people were waiting for, longing for, praying for this, this Messiah uh, who would come and rescue them. Then along came Jesus, claiming to be that very person, that Messiah, the one promised by God and foretold by the prophets of old. He met every single criteria. He fitted the description of the Messiah perfectly. And so many Jewish people, they could see that. And, and so they accepted Jesus and they received him as their Messiah. They weren't becoming Christians in their own eyes. No, they weren't converting to some new religion. They were, in their eyes, true Jews who'd received this promised Messiah, not an, a king of an earthly kingdom, freeing them from um, earthly oppression, the Roman occupation, but a king of a new spiritual eternal kingdom, freeing them from the slavery of sin and death. This is Jesus. And his followers at the time, you know, they weren't at that time called Christians. That came later. They were called the way. Followers of the way. We see that in Acts. Now, many of the Jewish religious elite were not happy about this. They wanted to squash, crush, stop this new thing from happening to keep hold of power for themselves. And so they set out persecuting the, the followers of the way, the believers in Jesus. They had them arrested, imprisoned, killed for blasphemy. After all, the, the confession of these followers of Jesus was that their Messiah, Jesus, was no less than God in human form. So they tried to stop this blasphemy. And that's where we pick up the story of Saul today. And Saul is setting out to do just that. He's on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus in Syria. He's carrying official papers. He's got a team. He's got resources. He's going to try and wipe out this rebellion, this blasphemy. And as he drives his horse out of the city towards Damascus, He's blinded by a light. He is literally struck blind for three days. He couldn't see. He's thrown off his horse. He hits the ground. He, 
he, he heard a voice. Everyone heard the voice. A voice calling him by name, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It was the voice of Jesus. It's a dramatic story. It's an impressive story. In fact, we still talk and use that phrase today, don't we? We talk about a Damascus Road conversion of seeing the light. We use it to talk of someone who's had a complete turnaround in life, a Damascus Road conversion. And in this conversion, Saul's name is changed to Paul, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul then went on to write what most of the New Testament he went on to lead countless people into relationship with Jesus. He went on to plant churches right across the ancient Near East through into Europe, probably second only to Jesus in his influence in shaping the way this new movement of believers. A remarkable man, a remarkable conversion, a remarkable turn around from persecutor to pastor, from church destroyer to church planter. If you are a Christian, a follower of the way, uh, you're probably quite impressed by Paul, like I am, maybe even a little intimidated. After all, we know that Saul of Tarsus was a brilliant young man, highly academic. He trained under the leading rabbi Gamaliel. Uh, Saul was probably his nickname from the Hebrew, meaning to inquire, to question, to learn. And Saul was from a pretty impressive family, a, a true blood Hebrew. He could trace his ancestry right back. His father was most likely a Pharisee. And he was on some sort of fast track into political religious power. When we first meet him, he's holding the coats of the senior religious leaders as they throw stones at Stephen, the first martyr for Jesus. I think the word we might use of Saul in today's setting might be the word privileged. Privileged, someone who had made it to the top of an elite system of which they were part of. But Jesus disrupted Saul's plans. Jesus reached out to Saul and rescued him. And, and, and as I say, it wasn't like, you know, Saul did not um, convert to Christianity. Remember that title Christian hadn't yet been invented at this point in the story. Rather, Paul encountered Jesus, the promised Messiah. And so in his eyes, he became a true Jew in, in the sense, not converted but he was given a new mission and a new purpose to now reach the Gentiles, to reach the non-Jews and to call them into relationship with Jesus, Messiah. A job he does with incredible fervour and zeal. So in one sense, a remarkable man, a remarkable story. But in another sense, Saul's story is no different to our story, if you know Jesus. You might not have been blinded by the light or you might not have heard the audible voice of Jesus calling you, few people do. But all of us were lost without Jesus. All of us were going 
our own way, our own sinful lives before Jesus reached out to us. You know, if you were a Christian, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you and he revealed himself to you and he called you by name and he gave you a new identity and he gave you a new purpose and mission. Saul's story is our story. And Saul went on from this dramatic encounter to spend something like 14 years in obscurity and anonymity before he set off on his first missionary journey to preach the gospel and to plant churches. After such a dramatic conversion, 14 years of seemingly nothing, but it wasn't nothing. It was a period of serving, of preparation, of training for Paul. And then Paul sets off on his journeys. By all accounts, he was incredibly successful and impactful in God's timing. Now, I think it would be easy to look at the life and the achievements of Paul and think we compare ourselves and think, well, I could never be like that. We disqualify ourselves. We think, well, I've never encountered Jesus like that. Or I don't have that sort of dramatic story. Or maybe we think we don't have the training or the heritage or the education or the family or the intellect of Paul. But I really want to challenge that sort of thinking today. First of all, we all have a story. And Saul used his story really effectively. In the book of Acts, we see that Saul repeats his story on several occasions, he word for word. He, he even gets the opportunity to share his story to high flying Roman officials like Festus. In fact, I think it's possible that Paul got to share his story in Rome with Caesar, the top man. Ah, that's just speculation. We don't know that, but Saul had dual citizenship. Saul was also a Roman citizen by birth. That meant he had a legal right to appear on trial before Caesar. And that is how Saul's story ends. It ends with him under house arrest. And so if he gave trial before Caesar, before being executed, you can bet that uh, Paul shared his story with Caesar. Saul shared his story. He used his influence, his position, his platform to share his story. He also used his suffering to share his story. And so he was able to share his story because he was on trial, because he was under arrest, because he was in prison. We can all share our stories. We all have a BC, a before Christ. And we all have a story of how we encountered Christ. And we all have a story after conversion. And we can share the difference that knowing Jesus has made to our lives, is making to our lives. Some people have incredibly dramatic stories, how Jesus rescued them from drugs and crime. Some people like me have pretty tame stories by comparison. But I love to share my story. I love to share how we grew up in a Christian home, how my dad died when we were very young, 18 months old, how we were really poor. We, we were the poorest kids in school. That is my BC. But through that time, even as a kid, I knew God always provided for us. And so at the age of six, someone invited me at Sunday school to give my life to Jesus. It made such sense to me. 
And from that moment, I've always known God is with me. I've always known that God is for me. Uh, and I've been able to ask him for his strength and his peace in the most challenging times of life. And he's given me that. That's just something of my story. We all have a story. Let's share that story with others. God wants to use that story. So we can compare ourselves and disqualify ourselves. One of the ways I used to disqualify myself was through my education. I had such a bad substandard education through to 18. And you look at someone like Saul of Tarsus. I mean, Tarsus was the academic center of the ancient Near East in modern day Turkey. And so he must have been like the creme de la creme to have ended up studying under Gamaliel in Jerusalem. And then you read Paul's letters like Romans and Galatians and you're like mind blown. Wow. What? intellect what insight what wisdom what understanding but the thing I love about this is that God decided in his wisdom he decided to send Peter to lead the movement amongst the Jews and to send Saul Paul to lead the movement amongst the non-Jews the Gentiles that does not make any sense whatsoever why not send rough and ready Peter and educated Peter the fisherman to the Gentiles and why not send the rabbinically educated Saul to the Jews that's how we would have done it you know best fit strategic alignment but that is not how God did it and God arranged it that way so that only he would get the glory only God would get the glory that Paul would know that we would know Paul's success was not down to Paul it was down to God's power at work within Paul. God loves to use unqualified people. He specializes in using the unqualified because then all the glory and honor goes to him. In fact, just as a little aside, um, I, I picked up from my studies recently um, in a document written in the second century, early second century, not that long after Paul, a document called the Acts of Paul and, and, and Thecla. Um, not scripture, not divinely inspired, but historically important. And Saul here was described as a small um, man with crooked legs and a crooked nose is described as having a unibrow and having bad eyesight. I mean, basically, he would have never made it on the stage of a mega church or onto preacher sneakers on Insta. You know, right across the world today, Jesus, this same Jesus, is still appearing to people, revealing himself to people and bringing people into his family and his mission. A few weeks ago, a guy turned up to our church on crutches. Months and months earlier, he'd had a near fatal motorcycle accident. He'd felt his, himself leaving his body and he was dying and he cried out to God. He said, God, save me, spare my life. I'll go to church, that church that he passed every day. That's what God did. God spared his life. And in hospital, he was in hospital a hundred days. He came out of a coma and he started to tell the chaplain about what he'd said to God, about his experience and how he wanted to give his life to Jesus. The chaplain led him to Jesus. A few weeks ago, he found his way to our church, a building he'd driven past many times over the years. No church background, no Christian experience. 
Jesus reached out to him and rescued him. I love stories like that. But you know, um, right across the world today, today, there are still persecutors of Christians. And there are still persecutors of Christians who are encountering Jesus in dreams and visions. Iran, one of the strictest Muslim countries in the world, a country where you would be in prison and beaten for being a Christian. And yet Iran has possibly the fastest growing church in the world, a secret underground church. Right across the world today, today, Muslims are converting to Jesus through dreams and visions. And I have personally met a few people for whom that is their testimony. That's their story. Now, often they will have a very similar story. Often they've been fasting through Ramadan. These are really genuine, devout Muslims seeking God. And on the night of power, towards the end of Ramadan, they have a dream. In the dream, they are visited by a man robed in white. When they ask him who he is, he tells them nearly always that he is the way and the truth and the life. And I've personally met a couple of people who came to Jesus, Isa, in that way, through a dream. In fact, a couple of years ago, I heard the story of a man who was high up in ISIS, terrorizing Christians, murdering Christians, uh, it is estimated around 200,000 Christians are martyred each year, even in today, today's society. 200,000 Christians martyred each year across the world in our day. And I heard this story about a guy who was so moved by how Christian martyrs died at the hands of ISIS, at his hands, that this ISIS jihadist met Jesus in a dream. And gave his life to Jesus. And the missionary who told me this was saying that they were praying for a thousand souls from out of ISIS. What a prayer. Isn't that amazing? I absolutely love that. The religious leaders 2,000 years ago at the time of Jesus tried to squash and wipe out his message. They even had him killed. But they couldn't contain him. They couldn't contain the gospel. Saul was sent to persecute Christians. He became a church planter. Communist China tried to ban Christianity. But there are now probably more Christians in China than there are Christians in France or Germany, growing at a rapid rate. Nothing can stop the advancement of this new kingdom led by King Jesus. The same Jesus that revealed himself to Saul has revealed himself to us. He can reveal himself to you. The same Holy Spirit that lived in Paul lives in us. 2,000 years later and the gospel of Jesus has not lost any of its wonder working power. The simple gospel message when we receive it transforms lives, turns lives around. And your story is powerful. Share it with someone. Because God wants to use you and your story for his glory and for the advancement of his kingdom. Just like he used Saul. Amen.
Coming up, we have Conversation Street. But before we get into that, here's a clip from our podcast, What's the Story, which you can subscribe to on all your favorite podcast apps. I kind of had this idea that God was supposed to save us, like he was supposed to show up in a certain way in these times and he was supposed to just like remove us from this pain and suffering and like why god would you let these things happen like not just one of these things but like these layers of difficulty and pain and disappointment i came to the realization like i'd always thought of god as a genie in a bottle if i just say the right prayer and wish the right wish he should do this thing for me he should give me what i'm asking for and in return i would spread his word and tell everybody that he healed me and tell of his miracles and everybody would come to him and that was like the deal I had with him. Well welcome back. Welcome back to Conversation Street. Um just a quick plug for that the podcast, what's the story? Um, if you're into hearing, like John said, people's lives transformed. Brilliant. There's loads and loads of stories of ordinary people living now, most in the UK, some in America, that their lives have just been changed. Brilliant. But back to the story. Um, not the story, back to the talk today. So Ruth, is there anything that really sort of jumped out at you from the, the talk? You thought, yeah, oh, yeah lots of like, bits. That was good. That was a good talk, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. we did this in Sunday school a few weeks ago, and when I was reading it, then um, it wasn't even what John said actually just then. But um, when Jesus, the first thing Jesus said was, "Why are you persecuting me?" Didn't he? Um, and I kind of thought, oh, but he wasn't persecuting you, Jesus. He's persecuting people, Christians, yeah. people in the way. But I love how. That was, that was persecuting, persecuting his people was persecuting him. That really, mm. that really spoke to me that they're the one and the same. They're part, they're part of him. We're part of him. Yeah. I love that bit. Yeah. Yeah. When we get to know, we get to know Jesus, he's, yeah, that, that we're, we're part of that, the way. Yeah. yeah. But he said, he said, you know, would you like, bring the little children to me? Because there, you hurt one of these children. You hurt hurt me. He doesn't leave us alone, does he? Doesn't he? Didn't come and talk and, and go. He came mm. and and transformed. Um, mm. Yeah, I love this talk. And I, when we were had a brief chat about it before, um, I love it because it is a transformation, isn't it? It. We use it in everyday talk, not even Christian talk. Oh, had a, did you have a Damascus road, you know, conversion to something? Did you get this bolt of lightning? <laughs> which, which Saul did. I mean, John didn't actually go into that too much, but imagine being blinded for three days because you came in contact with the living God. It was pretty, pretty big deal, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And three days, I was thinking that's, I feel like that's quite significant, significant, isn't it? The whole yeah. three day thing, because, um, Jesus was dead for three days, like the whole him dying on the cross and yeah. rising again, that was three days. And that's yeah. what happened. That's what happens without, 
without him, we're darkness. We're in the tomb. We're we're yeah. dead. Um, yeah. And that's why that's why we call born again Christians, aren't we? Because mm. we are. We're, it's, yeah. It's not just changing what you think or or yeah or putting on some different clothes or going to a different kind of college or school or church it's we, we're different because god does something different in us yeah he, yeah, he takes us out of darkness into his light and mm, yeah 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 it's like um john was saying that they weren't weren't called christians at that time because it wasn't mm. that they'd started a new religion they just found that jesus was the messiah he was the answer he took them on so their their transformation was that their lives were transformed so paul's journey was transformed instead of he sort of killing christians or killing those of the way he was now telling people about the way but his life was going from like you said from being dead in his sins to to that to be raised up and to mm. move in moving on mm. and yeah. he was still he was stay, not still the same person because he obviously like god makes us with personalities isn't he and he mm. he we are very individual to him yeah. and um he before he had this experience he was so determined so determined that he you know he was persecuting he was putting in prison getting people killed and that same determination of personality was still there, but mm. he was he was using it to how God purposed yeah. it, I guess, right at the beginning. That yeah. he was so determined. If you read the rest of his story, um, he was still the same person, wasn't he? In that kind of way, yeah. But he, this time he was determined to to mm. tell people what happened to him and um, and get people into a different yeah into this different way, yeah. yeah. Even yeah. all of his persecutions were so incredible the things that happened to him but he he was just too determined yeah yeah and also which i didn't realize is when john was talking i wrote it down he said 14 years and i had a quick yeah. google um such a long time from being having this experience um and and then you, then you read all about his travels and things happening to him, but there was lots that happened before that when he just he got to know the the new church, and I should imagine probably studied and realised, you know, through God's help, how that how all that he'd learnt in the past was a fulfilment, and mm. um, that it even though we say it's like this Damascus Road instant thing. He still was being transformed, wasn't he? And it was a long time. Yeah. That, that, that makes me feel happy. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just think, oh man, God, it didn't, I didn't have an experience like But it was, it was a big boom experience in terms of getting to know, you know, it literally knocked him off his horse, but he still spent that time learning and hearing and being prepared for what was coming forward mm. yeah but even yeah. but that's lovely as well isn't it because jesus is so interested in us and he wants us to be spend time with him being close to him he's not interested in it's not it's, it's not 
the things we do, is it? It's, it's, it's being, so he can show things at us. He can show us things and, and teach yeah. us things and change how we're thinking. And yeah, I, I love that about him. It's, mm. it's us, isn't it? And I like, um, he said, um, about Jesus finding Saul, like Saul didn't find Jesus, did he? Yeah. Jesus found him. I love that because yeah. Yeah. that's what he did for me. Like, yeah. he didn't just, he found me, but then he pursued me because I was so stubborn and unbelieving. He didn't just try once. He kept trying, trying, trying until, until I could believe until I said, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, it's not us that find him. It's him that he, he that finds us. Yeah. 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 Good. I like Graham to put in the comments that are interesting that Bruce finding for a few days, but then he could really see. Mm. Then, yeah, mm. then he could really see Graham, yeah. And, um, and like David, there's a big gap between his anointing and him actually being king. And God prepares us. Well, Jesus was, can you imagine being the son of God and being on the earth for 30 years before we can perform a miracle? I mean, I think about that sometimes and they just think the patience and all the stuff going around. But even, even Jesus needed, I presume, preparation. And, um, and we can just take note of that, that he preparing us, preparing us for a new mission. Yeah. Preparing and maybe us to, to, sorry, go on. Go, no, just preparing us to tell, tell our story. Like, yeah. Like John was saying. Maybe it was to prove stuff as well to us and other people. So, um, like if Jesus had just kind of come out of nowhere and done miracles, that would have been pretty, pretty cool. But he, people knew him as well and they could, mm-hmm. he was, he was living, I'm trying to say like he was living proof that he, and he wasn't being, con- he wasn't contradictory to himself or, you know, people see you, don't they, every day in, in, yeah. in work and, and your family see you all the time. It's it's kind of like that. Yeah. You, it's got to be twenty four seven. It's not just a, yeah. a play thing. It's got to be yeah, it's, definitely. You know, it's got to be a, yeah. a real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about persecuted Christians as well. Um, I've been reading a lot of um Richard Wormbrandt. Um, he's a, a Romanian, and he was like in prison so for so so many years when it was um when it was a communist country and he at one time he was in prison and he was there in their solitary confinement for three years three years like not seeing anybody else and i i've often thought wow like what a waste of a man a life because he was such a good speaker and like a bit like paul maybe he was very like very intelligent but nothing's wasted is it is it nothing's wasted and in those three years god was i don't know just keeping him and and um speaking to him and i don't know with things we it's things we can't see just because we yeah. can't see them it doesn't doesn't matter does it it's well, maybe, yeah it's well this is the stuff we can't see that's probably the most important yeah mm. yeah some of the times when we just think what god why why mm. is it so mm. why is it so quiet why is nothing happening mm. yeah that why is it so helpful yeah. yeah, God still works with us. And like John was saying, all those stories, it's always the persecuted where the church grows because we realize that we can't do stuff without Jesus. Yeah. We have it cushy in this country, don't we? 
and, and sometimes perhaps like that guy that knocked off his bicycle sometimes it needs it needs that that shock we go past church and that's like physically we drive past he was driving past the church but sometimes in our we're just in our lives we go past things every day and god needs that we need that kick up the butt to mm-hmm. to, to get to to see him get to meet him get yeah. to get and to it, hear it him make, yeah and it makes us decide doesn't it i was in albania just a few uh, weeks ago and um the church we visited is quite small but the christians there because it's it's a hard choice to become to say yes it's a hard choice to become a christian it's yeah it's not an easy road so the people that are in that church they are they are they've said yes and that is it mm. so they're all in and sometimes when you don't have to be all in it, it's too easy yes. to to cross over the other way isn't it and yeah to opt yeah. back out yeah, or just take yeah. take parts of things take yeah, yeah all in is the is the only way really yeah mm-hmm. yeah i um it's interesting that john said that they were followers of the way because i was reading before in the message and the message always up until and they yeah quite a lot of the new testament he he translates it as the way and they were followers of the way um, and that's what they were called. Yeah, I like that. That is, and that he said when um, Muslims have had dreams, it's often he said, who, "Who are you? I'm the way, the truth, and the life." Yeah, no, no other way around this. Yeah, I was um, on a, a chat or something about. Someone's talking about God and they're saying, well, that's a bit harsh on other religions, isn't it? And it is, isn't it? But God said, just come to me. I'm the way, the truth, the light. There is, there is one, there's only one truth. And it took blind and light to knock Paul off his horse to find that. And some of us, it needs that as well. And if, if you're, if you're there thinking, what? What is it about this Jesus? What is it about Christians? Why do they keep trying different ways to tell us this message? This is why we do crowd church. It's to bring this message to you, to say, this Jesus is worth finding out about. Because it's that important. It's, he's the way, the truth and the life. Um, I read again today about, um, so I don't know if it's, Sometimes some of the stuff we read on the internet, you don't know if it's a quote, whether it's true, but the logic of it is definitely true. And the man called Pascal, who was a mathematician in about 1600s, some of the uh, computer language called Pascal that people learn at university. And um, anyway, he said, look, the logic of it, the stats of it add up. He said, we're only on the earth for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, got infinity to be with God. Look at, look at the maths of that. It's worth it. You know, be a Christian and have a turn to with Jesus. Don't be a Christian and miss out on that salvation. Have a turn to without God. Mm. If you just want to play the on, probably it's worth it's worth knowing Jesus, but he, 
way more than playing the odds. Mm. Yeah. He John said something about that, didn't he? Logical. No, made sense, he said. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it does. It it doesn't make sense in like a um I think it took me a long time to become a Christian. Well, not a long time. I was thirteen. <laughs> but considering the fact that I went to church when I was, you know, from zero, yeah. Yeah. thirteen years is a long time, isn't it? Um and it took me a long time because I I couldn't for me it didn't make sense that he would love me. I could I could believe that he loved everybody, like it's in a kind of general sense, because I knew that God was good. But it didn't make sense to me that he would love me. So in that way it doesn't make sense. But everything else makes sense. And what he it, and if but if you look at it in a different way, it does make sense because he made me. So why would he make me if he didn't you know, if he wasn't going to yeah. love me, um, he knew me before, before anybody else was born. Um, he, he knew the plan. He knew what Jesus was going to do. He knew what we were going to do. And he still, um, followed his plan. So it, it is logic. He is, I think he is a logical God, isn't it? He is, isn't he? And it's all, there is a lot of maths stuff in the Bible. And I don't, don't do that because I don't do maths, but it is, he is logical, but, um, the mind blowingness of it feels like it's not yeah. logical, but that's also why maybe I'm going to tangent now. That's also why science is so people, people think can't be a scientist and be a Christian, but it, it goes, they go together. Oh, goes together. Yeah. They go yeah. Together because everything was made by him anyway, and things couldn't work in science if it wasn't for God. Mm-hmm. So how can they two, how can they be apart? So yeah, I think it, I know it. Everything is logical about it, but at the same time, it's mind-blowingly logical, if you sort of mean. Mm. Yeah, when it comes to, to person. to person, Yeah. 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 I love it. And, and on, that, on that note of logical, it's also great that God turns things on, on their head because um, John said, yeah, so... There was this great Jew who could trace his lineage mm. all the way back. And God says, okay, yeah, you've learned under the best people, go and speak to the Gentiles. Mm. And Peter, this fisherman mm. that we always say, oh, he blundered through things and put his foot in stuff, but it's amazing. <laughs> Mahat. Um, yeah, go and speak to the Jews. And I love that he just, he's, he, we can put our trust in him. Um, yeah, it might not seem the it might not seem the um, not logical. It might not seem where the facts. You know, I've studied all this. I'll go here. You just need to listen to what he's got for us, and and follow that word. That's the that's the important thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everything I've done in my life is not logical that I've done it. I think, in a way, if you're looking at the world sense mm. of logical, because I can't, because I'm, yeah, because I'm just me. But I mean, I can't, okay, because this seems a stupid thing, but I, I can go to a place like a big car park or something like that, right? And I come, go out of the door and turn right and go downstairs and I can't, I won't be able to find my way back, okay? Because my sense of direction is horrendous. But I've been like all around the world on my own. How could I do that if Jesus wasn't with me? Yeah. <laughs> That's one truth of my story. 
Yeah. Yeah. God's definitely used you, hasn't he, to take you to all over just because you, you've listened. Well, yeah, I don't even, okay. yeah, I mean, I hope that he's used me, but, the, but it's more, it's always more rather than using me, he's, he's blessed. It's more, he's more blessing than anything else, really. And then he's done what he needed to do. You just need to say yes, don't you? And then, mm. and yeah, it's no sac. It's not a sacrifice, really, when you come to think of it. It's not at all. Mm. Yeah, and I like yeah. the other. I know we need to finish. He's talking about kept talking about our story, didn't he? That it's your story. It's your story. And um, um, if you say your story, then nobody can really argue with you because mm-hmm. it's your story. So I love that. Yeah. That. You, you don't have to be intelligent like Paul. Like I'm not, I can't do that. I can't argue with people about doctrine and stuff. But I can say what, what God's done in me and my story. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sorry, but you can't argue with that because you know what's gone on in your life, haven't you? Don't, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. And we're the example of that, aren't we? We are who we are because, because God mm. has changed us. Yeah. Mm. And it, I've written on my notes here, with a nice little square around it. It's our life has been turned around it's our yeah it's our story um so if anything for for those that know jesus this week just feel encouraged to to tell your story like like ruth said you can't um you can't argue with that because it's just who we are and it's our, it's our life and those that don't if you don't know Jesus, then find out about people's stories that do. Ask them, mm-hmm. ask them questions. You can send emails in to, um, if you just go to crowd.church, um, send messages in there. There's a midweek Zoom. Come talk to us. Um, God, God wants to get to, to know you and we won't be able to tell you about Jesus if you're, Travel on the bus to work, get the, the, the What's the Story podcast. I've been doing those. I drive around with my job a lot. So I have one of the podcasts on and listen just to ordinary people telling their amazing stories about how God has, um, transformed their lives. Yeah. Yeah. What have you got to lose? That's the thing, isn't it? Like Graham mm. said, I'd like that with a Graham, like what we all said in church. Doing things with God rather than do it rather than without is the best thing. Yeah. Really? There's nothing to lose. This is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you could say, like I was saying in Albania, there's physical things, like they would lose friends. You know, when you're being persecuted, yes, you lose physical things. But like Dan said about the scale of eternity and now, when you think look at it that way, yeah. there is nothing to lose. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we drawing to an end there but thanks so much Ruth I think um, I think you need to come back on again <laughs> perhaps with another host <laughs> um, and next week again just to to let you know Sharon is doing the talk on the power of healing so looking forward to that and I'm afraid it's me again next week but we're wonderful Matt and I think we might do it in a new studio yeah. so we'll be there in person talking with each other ooh very fancy so yes, <laughs> looking forward to that. So thanks very much, um, and God bless you all. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, bye everybody. 
Thank you so much for joining us here on Crowd Church. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button as well as that little tiny bell notification to get notified the next time we are live. And of course, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the live stream podcast, make sure you also hit the follow button. Now, by smashing the like button on YouTube or writing a review on your podcast platform. It helps us reach more people with the message that Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful and purposeful life. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out our website, www.crowd.church, where you can learn more about us as a church, more about the Christian faith, and also how to connect into our church community. It has been awesome to connect with you, and you are awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear, and hopefully we'll see you next time. That's it from us. God bless you. Bye for now.